I'm Laura Harper-Lake. And I'm Sarah Reitzman, and you're you're listening listening to Creative Guts. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Creative Guts. Today, we're talking with Caleb Weinstein, glassblower, jewelry maker, and teenager? Yes, Caleb is a teenager, the first one on our podcast. Another thing that makes him so special is that I used to babysit him (laughs) like 10, 12 years ago, a million years ago. So yeah, this was a very cool experience. We're super excited. So we're going to jump right into this episode of Creative Guts with Caleb Weinstein. Thank you, Caleb, for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Let's start with you as an artist. How would you describe your art and what mediums do you work in? So I do, uh, I'm, I'm a glass blower. I make jewelry, not as much as I blow glass anymore. I used to do jewelry much more. I do like painting and drawing all for schoolwork, um, although I don't really focus on that. And the kind of art that I do, I guess the style, the way that I practice art, I guess is the best way to put it, would be um, doing what looks good more so than like doing what has a good meaning behind it. Because I don't... I, Personally, I don't quite like it when people put like these huge meanings on like a simple vase. Mm-hmm. So I like, to, <laughs> I like to make something beautiful that looks nice or that you can use, such as like a, a goblet or a cup versus something that looks nice on a wall. Although I do that as well. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a, a very aesthetic yes. driven focus. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Nice. So I think I've probably mentioned this in the intro by now, but I've known you for a million years. Yes. Quite less because you're way younger, but (laughs) uh, I was your babysitter for five or six years a long time ago for you and your brother, and you guys were awesome. You were always so creative. We used to play music together. We made a... Do you remember? Yes, I do. Do you remember? I don't know, like, what kids remember, but, like, we each played an instrument. We made a little album, and I was in my 20s, so, like... (laughs) kind of funny. Laura was the babysitter. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and so you two always loved art and music and just making. I am so pumped to see that that has <laughs> stayed with you. You know, yeah. like it kind of fades at a certain point, usually middle school or early high school, you know, you get into other things and it can go by the wayside. So do you want to talk about when you started getting like serious into creating in like it, that wasn't for school in the in the um, mediums that you're in now? So I started uh, metalworking specifically more uh, earlier than I started um, glass blowing. I started metals in uh, freshman year, final trimester of freshman year for a class. My school has like a metalworking class. Um, it's not very jewelry oriented, which is what I make, but it's more sculptural. Um, After that, I continued to take classes. That summer after that class, that's when I first started blowing glass. I worked at um, Snow Farm Craft School in Williamsburg, Mass. Um, I was recommended that by my teacher. And I think that it was probably after, like once I really kind of did that, that's when I really got serious about art because I met I met a lot of very talented artists, artists that have worked with um, very famous people. For example, um, the artist that I originally learned glass blowing from had worked with an artist known as Davide Salvadori, who is a very famous uh, Marinese glass blower, as well as many others. And at that point, like I really kind of focused on just making my art better for a career, almost like getting ready for a career, I guess. Um, at that point with that, you have to like start at that point. Otherwise, 
you're not going to make very much money. And you don't make much money with glass anyways, unfortunately. But wow. it is what it is. The whole idea of a, a freshman in high school having something like a metal working class available to you is so kind of incredible. Like, I can't imagine a scenario where you go to school and you get to take something like metalworking. That's really oh, awesome. Yeah. It was it was pretty great. Um, my teacher was uh, Elliot Avis. He was a great guy. At what school? Oh, it was at Berwick Academy in South Berwick, Maine. Very cool. Yeah. And... Um, but unfortunately, that didn't really meet my needs for art. So I eventually started building my own home studio for jewelry because home studios for jewelry are much cheaper than home studios for glass. Um, <laughs> yep. So now at this point, my home studio is unfortunately in my bedroom because I don't have any other better or warmer space to put it in than my garage. Um, and I have such things as an acetylene torch, oxypropane torch, a full workbench, a lot of tools, a large quantity of silver that I can work with. It's pretty great. But yeah. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> That's very inspiring. Oh, thank um, you. And so your peers and your kids in your class, like, do you talk with them about this? And like, do you have anyone else that's sort of geeking out in an art way with you with this? Or are you sort of going solo? Uh, I guess I'm sort of going solo. Like all of my friends all know like what I'm doing and they all find it very interesting. I've had, uh, I've had a couple of them ask me to make things for them. Obviously I got paid for it, of course. Unfortunately, materials aren't cheap, but um <laughs> That's, that's what I've done. So, But no one else, I mean, there's no other people who have, there's actually only one other person who has done glass blowing at my school who's in my grade. They actually just did it as a class with their family. They weren't like serious about it. Mm. So yeah, that's kind of how it is. So unique. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of blown away. So I've taken a, I took a metal work class. Uh, I want to say it was maybe a year ago now at Port City Makerspace, they were offering cold forging for jewelry class, which was really fantastic. I haven't done anything with it since, but thinking about sort of the, the barrier to entry to entering something like glass blowing or metal working versus say like drawing or painting, it's so amazing. Do you have any sort of advice for somebody who maybe wants to get into glass blowing or metal work? The first thing I would say is that uh, find someone who you can work with. Um, I work with a local artist. His name is Peter Riddebach for glass. Um, I have worked with a local artist for jewelry. Her name was Alice Carroll, both very nice people. So the best thing to do is find someone who you can work with who has the tools, has the materials. Another thing is that unfortunately classes for these are kind of expensive, especially glass blowing. Like a single class for glass that I do is $100. You really need to have a lot of like uh, expendable income to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, and more so when you start talking about tools, especially for glass blowing as well, because they're all so specialized. Thankfully, with most artists, you can just use theirs. Um, but it's definitely, you have to find an artist who is near you, who you could work with, and who teaches classes. I have a question that maybe no one else in the world will care about. It's very specific. So you're blowing glass. You're heating it yes. up and molding it, making it the form you want. If you break glass, can you reheat it and remold it? Or are those materials wasted then? So you can recycle glass. Um, the glass that we get is specifically formulated for glass blowers, so you can't just toss in window glass with it. It won't work. Um, but like the glass the, oh, yes. the, the glass that you're using, if you, like say, you accidentally knocked this off right now, this finished piece that you've done, could you then reuse that? Yes, yeah, so as long as it is um, completely clear. We, we don't remelt. Gotcha. Um, we only remelt clear glass because we can only because we can add whatever color to, to it we want. We can't take out color out of colored glass. Mm. Although for whatever reason, um, when you're recycling glass, you'll always get like a little bit of color. Even if you get like a lot of red and a lot of yellow, only like a tiny bit of blue, for whatever reason, it will always come out a little bit blue tinged. Who knows? 
Interesting. <laughs> that is kind of interesting. Weird, I don't know why that's a chemistry thing. Yeah. Yeah, you, that's that's a question for our like chemist listeners. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you talk about like the expensive materials, the only sculptural work that I've done is with stone. Mm. But if you like especially soapstone or alabaster, if you're putting 20 hours into it and then it breaks in half because there's a thread in the grain, like then there's 20 hours gone. So I was just wondering, have you had those moments where it's like, "Oh, shoot, I can I can't take back time." Or or can you just, you know, kind of rework it and it's yeah. going to be okay. Well, thankfully, glass blowing is very fast. Um, to make something like, uh, I know our audio listeners can't see it, but I, I have a goblet right next to me that I made that's uh, three components all blown, including a hollow stem. Um, something like that only takes about 40 minutes. So we're crank- we can make them very fast. Um, but the problem is, is that you can somewhat for certain things, like very large vases, if it breaks, generally you have a much higher chance of fixing something like that. If you're talking something very small, like cups or goblets, you just have to start over. Wow. Um, and in that case, you just kind of start over and you keep going. Um, yeah. A lot of stuff breaks in glass blowing, unfortunately. It's a very easy for that to happen. Yeah. Fragile art form. At least you oh, yeah. only put in a certain amount of time yeah. and it's not like your heart's broken along with the glass. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. know, like you're like, okay, on to the next, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um carving stone got to be uh too expensive, too time consuming, and too heartbreaking mm. at times. So yeah. Yeah. On to something else. I do love the idea of being able to like reuse trash and turning trash into art. Is there any like kitchen glass that you can take advantage of? So the main one um, is if you take uh, Pyrex, so borosilicate glass, um, that was actually, that's used by flame workers, which is a different style of glass blowing done in front of a torch. Um, you see that a lot in scientific glass working, um, as well as, unfortunately, pipes and bongs. That's that whole market. <laughs> yeah. Because it can handle high heat um, in very concentrated locations like a lighter, and that's why they make it all out of that. Um, <laughs> that's just how it is. Um, but you can actually take like bottle glass. Like um, that's what they used to do at Pilchuck actually in the early days of Pilchuck when Dale Truly first started it in the 70s. They would take broken bottles or extra bottles from a local bottle making plant. They would mix it with certain chemicals to make it closer to glass blowing glass and then they would melt it. And so that is doable. Cool. Um, it's also extremely hard um, both to get those, uh, the separate chemicals themselves are very expensive unfortunately. So most people don't really do that. Another plus of using remelted glass that all of our colors are compatible with it. With something like that, you can't really do that. Right. So it all depends. But yeah, we can take, theoretically, you can take um, trash, as long as you know that it's all the same glass, remelt it with other chemicals, and then use it. Do you make the best presents? Like, I imagine your mom has, like, some beautiful vases that she's gotten. <laughs> yes. Um, for uh, my mom's birthday for two years in a row, I've made her vases. Yeah. Um, one of them is a, is a floppy vase that's about about eight inches tall, maybe six inches across, made with a, a dark copper ruby and this color called sand, which actually is reactive. It's silver-based, so it goes like blues and greens as well as like sand colors. Very cool. And then also a vase. When I was very first starting glass blowing um, in October, at that point I'd only been glass blowing for like five months, so I wasn't very experienced. It's much worse, um, unfortunately, <laughs> but that's how it is. Yeah, that's how you grow and improve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know, that's really cool too because you could like post comparison photos. Like, you know, the what's that trend right now? Like where I started, how it's going, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. And so, you know, you've developed to be getting better and everything and then you've started monetizing your work. So you yes. have a, a website and a shop which is on the hashtag shop NH creatives. 
directory that we created. You're one of the New Hampshire artists that we have on there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what is your website? It is uh, Caleb W Studio. So that's C-A-L-E-B. Uh, W-S-T-U-D-I-O, I think I spelled that right, mm-hmm. dot com. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I sell mainly jewelry through that. Occasionally I'll post glass, but it all depends. Um, yeah. I purchased a piece through it, which I should have worn today. I don't know why I did <laughs> You should have. <laughs> I was running out the door. But it's a, do you remember which one I purchased? Or do you just have so many sales? <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, um, Three squares linked together. Yes. I love minimalistic, geometric yeah. jewelry. That's like my jam. Yeah, your jewelry is gorgeous. The whole collection of sort of like the honeycomb ones, really, <laughs> oh, yeah. really pretty. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought about, um, unfortunately, due to materials and the fact that I am a high school student, I can't really buy everything. I haven't really been able to make any out of like gold or platinum, so like really fine jewelry materials, but eventually I will. Unfortunately, that requires like a special order of someone to buy that because it all pays for materials, but... That's how I'll eventually I'll do something like that. But right now I only stick with sterling silver for all that. That's pretty good. So we're going to interview you now and then like in five years and then in 10 years, we're going to see this whole progression, you know, like I love that. I will say you are our youngest guest and we have a whole age range, but you know, generally they're in their late twenties and up and have spent a decade or longer doing what they're doing. And then they, you know, they're kind of reflective, like you've been doing this for a while, but not as much. So it's, oh, yeah. so it's really cool to see like you harnessing this creativity at this age yeah, and then just like plowing forward. What are your future plans? So uh, right now I'm looking at colleges as I'm currently a junior in high school. Unfortunately, I will be, uh, unfortunately with the the major that I'm choosing, which will be glass, there's only a couple colleges <laughs> in the country who I can do that for. Mm-hmm. Um, the main one being RISD, of course, which is extremely hard to get into for any art student, mm-hmm. especially glass because their program is very small. But it is uh, that's that's my plan. Eventually, I'd like to work as a studio artist or an assistant or any number of other things. But yeah, that's that's for now. That's what it is. That is awesome. I don't know if people are still saying like, don't get into art. Children, you know, like, you know, like guidance counselors or teachers kind of steering you in a more commercialized direction. But when I was, you know, in high school talking with my guidance counselors, I mean, they weren't super hard brass, like don't go to an art school, but they were just like, think of other options. And, you know, there's just art is in so much of what we do. There are so many professions related to artistic fields that I get giddy when I hear about someone in high school like going into art, especially a specialized thing. Like you're really following that pursuit. Yeah, it's been uh, pretty great. Um, Thankfully for starting it this early, I don't have to worry about like things like rent. So it's great for like building up (laughs) materials, tools, all that stuff, which is will last me forever. So it's all great for that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And you seem um, in a good way, like hyper-focused and committed to your discipline. So if you were a more like interdisciplinary person, I might joke like Laura, like if we, uh, you know, interview Caleb again in 10 years and he's like, oh, I'm a woodworker now. Like, look at this canoe I made. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Laura dabbles in everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of the nice things about like committing to one thing is that you can just get like really ridiculously like good at it, right? Yes, really good at it. And known for it you know like I I do have some like bodies of work like oh the galaxy girls or whatever like people you know in this area might be like oh I know who does that but in general if I create something like 
someone's not going to know it based on my style because I'm jumping around from thing to thing. But like, you can really become a master of your craft. Like, I'm a jack of all trades. Master of none. Master of none. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of someone who's a master at their trade, I'm just thinking about my favorite glass blower. I didn't even write this down because I just thought of it. Um, Are you familiar with Chihuly? Yes. um, The artist that I work with actually worked with Chihuly in the late 70s. No um, way. When he was making his basket series, which is actually, this is based off of, um, for the Again, for the audio listeners, I don't know why I'm saying this. Um, <laughs> it is a, it's a weaving that is based off of his techniques. Oh, but yeah. That is so cool. I went to Seattle in, I don't, it was like five years ago, and my mom and I went to visit a, like a, Chihuly, a Chihuly exhibit, and it was so unbelievably gorgeous. I've seen one of these in person before at a museum. Just one. It wasn't yeah. like a, a specific exhibit, but I just Googled because I did not remember that <laughs> name. And um, it's stunning. Yeah. Is it the one at the MFA, the green spiky one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's right. I forgot he had one there. There's also one in the background of the main apartment in, I want to say Seinfeld. Which show takes place in Seattle? Is it Seinfeld? Frasier. Frasier. Thank you. Frasier takes place in Seattle, and there's a Chihuly in the apartment. <laughs> yeah. it's uh, He has really revolutionized the studio glass movement from his start of glass blowing in the late 60s, pretty much. Um, Unfortunately, of course, he had to quit glass blowing in 1973 due to a uh, car accident that he had that left him with an injured shoulder and loss of his eye. Glass blowing is a very depth perception related thing. Unfortunately, can't really do that with that. Um, But with, uh, he's definitely revolutionized it. And actually right now I'm writing my, uh, so we have to do a junior paper (gasps) in school and I'm writing my junior paper on the history of glass blowing in the United States, starting from the original um, first glass blowing shop, which was in Jamestown in the 1600s, all the way up to the start of the studio glass movement, which was really led by Chihuly. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. What is the, the sort of the act of actual glass blowing like? What does that look like? And is it a little dangerous? Oh, it's definitely dangerous. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's actually not as dangerous as many people would imagine. Um, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of many things that can go on with glass blowing. Um, especially if like you're melting certain clear glass where you have to deal with like silica dust, that's extremely bad for you. You can yeah. get, I think it's called silicosis. Um, and it's basically where the silica dust builds up in your lungs and then you can't breathe. Oh my Similar God. to asbestosis minus the mesothelioma. So there's that. There is chemical hazards due to like what you were working with. If you're melting, um, if you're making color, specifically, like if you're throwing in powdery copper oxide, you really don't want to breathe that in as well or selenium or cadmium. Um, we use all those uh, materials in glass. Yeah. But what many people think about with glass blowing is the burns. Yeah. Um, and I've actually only burned myself about like seven times in my year and a half of glass blowing. Oh. Um, <laughs> Still not, sounds like a lot, dude. I was gonna say, I not thought you were many, gonna say like once. <laughs> yeah, not, not, many, uh, not many major times, thankfully. Um, actually, the person that I work with, Peter Riddebach, um, he likes to say that he burns himself more in the kitchen than he does in a studio <laughs> and he's blowing he's blowing glass every day so yeah. Yeah. it all depends it's it's a very interesting thing the main issue for glass blowers however health-wise is um getting scoliosis because the way that we do glass blowing we support all of our weight on one side always that's just how glass blowing is so <sighs> it's always on our left shoulder we're supporting the entire weight of the piece always here so you can't switch it from side to side unfortunately no wow uh, it's just how the techniques have been made They've been practicing like them like that for over a thousand years, almost wow. two thousand years. Um, back to Roman times. Is there like certain stretches you gotta do, oh, or yeah. like occasionally? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a 
it's definitely a dangerous thing, but not in the ways that many people would imagine, I guess. That's what I say it. Yep. That makes sense. I immediately was thinking burns. So yeah. 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 So does that matter if you're like left-handed or (laughs) right-handed? No, actually. Um, Glass blowing forces you to work with both hands. Okay. Um, Mainly the one part of it where it relates to manipulating the physical glass is when you're using tools. So the way that we'll use tools that we'll sit at a bench with our all of the hand tools that we use because you can't touch hot glass. Right. It's too hot to touch, of course. So we have to use all metal, wood, and paper tools to manipulate it. And we would turn the... So we're always turning the pipe to keep it um, from flopping down because glass is in itself a liquid, right. especially the temperatures that we work it at. So while we're turning it with our left hand, we'll be using all of our tools with our right hand. And even if you're left-handed or right-handed, it really doesn't matter because you're not really doing like super um, exact movements, but they're just exact enough where it might struggle if like you're a left-handed person yeah. or if you're a right-handed person, but you just get over it pretty fast, which was a thing for me. I very quickly built up some more like dexterity in my left hand by doing that. So it all depends. That's super interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. There, there really aren't any crafts where it's, it's like that. That's so weird. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, do you sell primarily or maybe only on your online shop or do you do other things like maybe fairs or markets and stuff like that too? So I've only done like really like one craft fair and that was um, in August. Okay. Um, I don't think I'll do it again for a while just because of weather as well as um, them just all shutting down. It's just unfortunate with how the corona is going right now. Yeah. Um, but I mainly do sell through my website. Um, another thing that I do is that if anyone like wants like custom pieces, I can work those out. Those aren't done through my website per se because we have to design, we have to figure out colors. That's a whole thing. But yeah, mainly through my website for like finished pieces that I'll that I can make again. Is it? I mean, is it weird marketing yourself? Do you ever feel sort of like do you like do you struggle at all with the monetizing part and like the thinking about like selling yourself basically? Yeah, it's it's tricky with that definitely because you have to market yourself as an artist and um, that's definitely very hard to do, especially like when you're as young as I am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely very tricky. Um, I'm getting better at it. Thankfully, my dad, who does advertising for a living, um, oh. has been helping me a lot with it. Yeah. Help me set up my website, help me do all that stuff. But still very tricky. So mm, It's yeah. very cool. Have you encountered folks that don't trust you as much because you're younger or have less faith in you in a way? Or is it more just like, gosh, you're younger than I thought? Yeah. So, I mean, the only time that I've actually really had to deal with that was when I was trying to buy a tool off of someone on eBay um, because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'm a young glass blower. And they were like, yeah, you're kind of sketchy, bro. Uh, <laughs> I, was trying to, it's a, I was trying to buy a specific tool called jacks, which are what I like to call glorified tongs. Unfortunately, they're also like the most expensive tool in glass blowing. These were specifically made by a currently, unfortunately, dead um, Murnese toolmaker who makes some of the who made some of the best glass blowing tools in the world. Um, I was getting a pretty good deal on them. I was only getting them for about six hundred and seventy five dollars, um, whereas they're worth like about two thousand. So, but th- that's because the value's gone up after they aren't being made anymore. Of mm-hmm. course, um, right. but unfortunately, I was like, oh yeah, it'd be great if I could get these. I'm only like you know I'm just starting glass blowing or I've been starting glass blowing. And then they were like, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> did, you, did they end up not selling them to you? Or yeah. Um, and for other reasons as well, I could only pay them through PayPal. They didn't like that. And it was like a whole fiasco. Oh. Huh. It happens. Well, maybe yeah. they'll circle back in, in your future someday. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> 
$700. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, seriously. Oh, my God. Pretty incredible. I shouldn't complain about the cost of watercolor paper anymore, I guess. No. (laughs) So, though the folks at home, in their car, wherever, can't see them, uh, you brought some pieces, and I'd love for you to kind of describe them and walk us through sort of the history of them, like when you made them and that kind of thing. Yeah, so I'll just start off. So I brought two pieces in. One is a vase, one is a goblet that I made. I'll just start with a vase. Um, it's roughly about, probably about eight to nine inches tall. I'm not very good at dimensions. Um, <laughs> and about three, four inches across at its top. And basically it has this one color called copper ruby, which is one of my favorite colors. It's a very dark red, um, very, very beautiful color, along with and that's um, in little spots, which is part of a color application called frit, or applying frit, which is basically little pieces of crushed up colored glass that we then roll on to clear glass. And that's applying the frit in that case. And then I have a pattern that looks almost like a window pane or a, a weaving of a window pane um, made of what are called stringers, which is basically just very thin strings of hot glass that we pull and then we can layer them onto a piece. And the color that those are made of is called Iris Vanilla, made by a company called Rheinbach, um, which is based it on Germany. sounds yummy. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't eat it if I were No, I, I'll steer clear. That's oh, right. yeah. And um, it's a gold metallic. So this was made, um, probably took me about 35 minutes to make. The bottom is ground down because the bottom wasn't super flat. Unfortunately, I'm still learning how to do, like, you know, perfect bottoms every time. Mm, yeah. doesn't happen all the time, but it is what it is. So... Uh, yeah, this was a this is one of my favorite pieces that I've ever made. Um, I've made a series of weavings all based off of um, my experience in like seeing Chihuly's pieces, as well as the person that I work with, Peter Ritterbox, his experience in assisting Chihuly and his team of glassblowers to make these. Cool. So it's been pretty great uh, working with him because he gets to make some of these for like the first time in a very long time. So great stuff. I um, love the the range of. Uh, how it looks in different lights. Yeah. Like it's sort of dimly lit here. So it almost looks like a more maroon plum kind of color. And then the, the, the gold parts look silver from where I'm sitting. But then like when you held it up in the light, I could see different lights. So like, Oh, they look silver to me. Are they really gold? Yeah, it's pretty much. Is this uh, like the golden? When he turns it in a certain light, I see, (laughs) I can see both. Wild. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's a very beautiful color. I use both Gorgeous. of these colors on like half of the piece I've made. Yeah. I have a full shelf in my bedroom of just pieces that I've made from Copper Ruby um, because I love it so much. And then vanilla, I make so much stuff with it. Beautiful awesome. color. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Are there pieces like this that you will never sell? Like they're yours? Yes. Um, this is this will probably definitely be one of them. These are This is one of my favorite pieces. I have like uh, this other piece that I brought in, which is a goblet. One of my, it's my first clear goblet I've ever made. My first successful, like nice goblet made with Venetian techniques. I will never sell that. Um, it's just, I just can't. Yeah. Um, other things such as that, like uh, my first cup, I'll never sell that. Um, my first cup was actually surprisingly good um, when I made it. Um, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> not, awesome. Not to brag, but uh, um, yeah. Um, so stuff like that, I'll just never sell. I just couldn't bring myself to do so. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. no matter how much my cabin is filled with glassware. Gosh, yeah. that is so fun. Yeah, and it, so what is what is applying to like a now that you're you know looking at colleges? What is applying to like a glass blowing program look like? Do you have to put together a pretty intense portfolio? And oh yes, um, you have to put a portfolio. Uh, once I start like fully applying right now, I mean I just had my first meeting with my college counselors today, um, so it'll probably be another month before I start like properly like reaching out to colleges, doing any college tours. Um, but at that point, 
I'll have to get letters of recommendation from all the artists that I've worked with. Um, I've worked with a total of like four artists at this point, and cool. I'll get recommendation letters from probably like two or three of them, as well as recommendations from all my art teachers. And uh, it all depends on like what, what the colleges want. Um, most colleges will say like, oh yeah, we need like 20 different pieces in your portfolio. We need measurements for all of them. We need them from all different angles especially something like RISD where they're very big and that's like what they do. Yeah. Um, they're going to definitely have like a lot of demands for that mm. um, versus other colleges that also have glass blowing programs like Alfred and RIT that are both up in New York. Um, they'll definitely be like a little bit more lax, but it's still a struggle to get into those colleges wow. just because um, it's, that's like the thing that I'm focusing on doing. So, uh, I mean, you're so young, you might not know mm-hmm. this, but for the grand scheme of your life, do you want to end up back in New Hampshire or do you have goals of other places you want, like, do you want to live a bunch of places or is there, you know, anything in particular? Well, the main thing that I'd eventually like to do is just kind of uh, have my own studio or teach at a college mm-hmm. um, because both of those are relatively good money financially, as well as uh, just doing that can be very nice, um, especially for something like colleges where you don't need to pay for your own propane yeah. or glass. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's always great. Um, but unfortunately jobs like that are dwindling. So studio glass is much more of a big thing. Like for example, the glass blower that I work with, um, he is currently teaching at Salem state university. They're shutting down their glass program after this semester, um, or after next semester, whatever it is. He's taught there for one semester. They have another semester and then they shut it down. Mm -hmm. They have huge quantities of equipment. Another, uh, college that is about to shut down their glass blowing program is Franklin Pierce university. They're doing the same thing. It's just, it's very expensive, yeah. unfortunately. And it doesn't draw very many students, especially this year, because mm. they can only, they have to limit the amount of students they can have. Right. And with glass yeah. blowing, it's really hard to do it with a mask because of the blowing part. Right. So, <laughs> you know, everyone's finding ways around it, but for certain places, they just can't. Yeah. So, like, uh, thankfully, places like the Corning Museum of Glass have been able to continue, although, of course, they're the Corning Museum of Glass. They have infinite funding from Corning, the company, of course. Uh-huh. Um, but for colleges, it's much harder. So sadly, those sorts of jobs are slowly leaving the market. Studio glass and then factory glass is becoming much more of a big thing. Mm-hmm. Although I will never go to factory glass because I would not be able to bring myself to make the same vase over and over again, 10 hours a day for five days a week for 52 weeks a year. It would just be too much for me. Yeah. But it that, all depends. That, feels, that sounds stifling <laughs> yeah. for your oh, creativity, yeah. you know. Yeah. Just... Yeah, you never want to like ruin your like, passion for an art with like a mundane sort of related job oh yeah it's a bummer do you have certain goals within your uh glass blowing or metal works that you haven't achieved yet you know that you're like i want to learn this or my goal is to you know create something large scale or you know is there some is there like certain peaks that you're shooting for I mean, the main thing with glass is just always improving because every time that I learn about a new technique, I want to be able to do it. Fortunately, as I gain more skills, thankfully, I can like practice more techniques um, because certain techniques build on others, especially for goblet making, like certain applications of other like pieces of glass. They are widely used in a lot of other things, but all those other things need to come together into that one. So you have to like learn piece by piece. Eventually, at some point, I'd like to be working with like, you know, some of the great glass blowers in the world. The main one that I think that a lot of people will know as being a great glass blower, not just for his art, is Lino Taglia Pietra, who is a Marinese glass blower, a very, very well-known glass blower known as uh, the best glass blower in the world. He was actually shunned when he left Murano and brought some of the techniques from Murano to the, to the United States 
<laughs> because the culture of that area is that we don't they don't share their techniques out very much. Like so, the Mandalorian. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But it's uh you know, that sort of stuff, like working with an amazing glass boy like that would be, I'd say, like, not, I guess, a peak, but a, a, a great thing to do, I yeah. guess. Because with glass blowing, you can't really ever peak. Mm. Um, like, you can always improve. Uh, even the best glass blowers in the world are still learning, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, so it's very tricky with that. I find that with a lot of creative pursuits, like, you know, I'm never going to be able to draw the figure exactly. You know, it's I'm always going to be striving for that. Yeah. And, I don't know. Is it like that in cross stitch? Is there always no <laughs> <laughs> cross stitch is too easy. <laughs> well, you can get experimenting and do yeah. other stuff. Yeah, so. I think yeah. I would say the thing in cross stitch is being able to like develop your own patterns would be your like sort of your next level. Like yeah. anybody can follow a cross stitch pattern. It's easy peasy. But like being able to develop your own patterns and get into like sort of complex things and do like shading. If you were to get into like needle painting, then you're really talking like yeah. <laughs> next level. <laughs> so in respect to patterns, what we were just saying, like you're making a goblet, a goblet exists. Like is it sort of like a pattern in a way that you're following and then you sort of make it your own a little bit yeah uh somewhat like all glass blowing um even if i make two cups you can never make them identical mm -hmm. even the best glass blowers like they'll be very close but they won't be exactly the same and glass blowing is different every time so like especially for something as complex as a goblet a very complex vase it'll never be the same however many times you try and recreate it, you'll get close you won't be the same especially when you're talking color techniques and patterns and that stuff gets really crazy very fast. But yeah, it's it's a very tricky thing with that. Do you come from a creative family? Uh, I guess somewhat. Um, I mean, my dad. Um, if you ever heard of the advertising agency Creative Co-op, um, that's him. Um, like he does a lot of that work for brands. So I guess you'd call that sort of creative. But that that's not necessarily like I guess as close to like creative in this way. Where right. It's like making art pieces. Yeah. Although somewhat. And then my mom is she's also creative as well but um not as much as an art as well it's just like i am my brother isn't an artist either so it's like it's kind of a little bit different for me mm, okay but yeah. she yeah. um like sews and creates in yeah. that way right yeah um not really sews anymore now she's doing a lot of dopey illustrator oh work. sweet um, actually she just designed me a, a sticker that i'm going to put on my car that has my car's nickname which is and i quote shaggin wagon um <laughs> <laughs> pretty great <laughs> goes along with all the with all the uh the things that i've put on it but yeah it's uh pretty awesome that's funny but, uh, that's yeah. so cool oh yeah that's awesome so i think it's time for rapid fire questions just as it sounds we're going to ask you quick questions with hopefully quick answers if you yes. don't we will edit it down so it sounds <laughs> quick yeah <laughs> And the first one, which you've kind of already said, but maybe not, uh, what other artist has influenced you the most? I think definitely the artist that I've worked with, um, Peter Riddebach. Uh, he's worked with many other artists, and he has a very natural style of work. Um, and that work has definitely greatly influenced, like, a lot of the techniques that I've learned and as well as, like, a lot of the pieces I've made. Nice. Cool. Yeah. What is the last new thing you learned the last new thing I've learned is most likely probably um, blown stems for goblets. Um, I've only made two of them. One of them uh, broke in the process of making it. So that's probably the most recent and one of the most complex things I've, cool. I've learned. What's your favorite color? Oh, that's a hard one. 
either. Most likely, I would say Copper Ruby. Um, I just love it so much. But also, possibly uh, Iris Vanilla, because I've used that also so much. And I use those on a lot of my pieces. <laughs> or, either, although, I guess my number one color would probably be this one color called Blue Venturing, which is a very dark blue, uh, but it sparkles. Ooh. So it has like um, it has flecks of elemental copper and gold in it, and it's made oh. through like a really weird manufacturing process. But, anyways, it's a very beautiful color. Um, that would probably be I think that that would probably be my favorite color though. Oh, it sounds dreamy. Sounds oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite scent? Don't worry, it doesn't have to be related to glass blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's kind of tricky. Actually, it is kind of related to glass blowing, I guess. Um, <laughs> My favorite smell is, and it's not for a very good reason, unfortunately. Some, so we use wood tools in glass blowing, and sometimes we have to, uh, mainly for like flattening the bottoms of like a cup or a vase, um, and we use this one color that's called enamel white, which is in a powder, and when we apply it and then the wood burns against it, some of the chemicals that are used burn a little bit, and the main one is fluorine, and it smells kind of like weirdly sweet but also smoky. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, not good for you though. Uh-huh. I was gonna say it sounds dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you smell that, we, you, you know, you kind of gotta lean away. Um, but yeah, Caleb, no one else on Creative Guts will ever have that answer. That's true. Yeah. That was the most unique answer we've <laughs> ever true. had, or will ever have. <laughs> um, what's your favorite taste? I don't know what company it comes from, but it's smoked salmon. And it's in like a green package and like other smoked salmon's pretty good. Yeah. But like this stuff, it's like a little bit like sweeter. <laughs> and I, I personally like sweet stuff a lot. And it's like, it's sweet, but it's also smoky, similar to like the, the thing that I was just talking about. But it's, I don't know, it's just so good. <laughs> I'm totally with you. What is your favorite sound? Oh, I don't know. That's really hitting you with answer. the hard oh, yeah. questions. I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, uh, side question, yes. not on the thing. Do you listen to music when you work? Um, occasionally. Um, we don't, like, when I was at Snow Farm, we put on music. I was only there for two weeks, so, like, we did it occasionally. The only other time that I've actually, like, properly listened to music was once when I was pulling um, stringers with the person that I work with, and also once when I was making the clear goblet that I have here today. I was actually listening to, it was a very interesting choice, um, reggae, while making a go- while making a Venetian style goblet, so kind of interesting. A um, culture melt there. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. And when you're not like just in general, what kind of music is like? I mean, I know it's probably like a bunch, but like, what's sort of your main go-to jams? Um, like songs specifically, or like genres? Oh, uh, genres. So like, uh, occasionally rap, occasionally um, dance music, occasionally like, you know, seventies, eighties, like funk music. I don't know why. Um, occasionally like, you know, pop, just a little bit of everything yeah. really. Yeah. Sweet. Good eclectic mix. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. All right. Last of the like really difficult ones. What's your favorite like texture to touch? Ooh. So I think probably my favorite texture is, it's also a glass blowing related one, of course. Um, but so another tool that we use is wet newspaper. So newspaper, like a full like page of multiple pages of newspaper, 40 pages thick that we layer and then we soak in water and then we can use it for shaping glass. That's the closest that we ever get because it will have glass, the newspaper, and then our hand. It's right there. And you can kind of feel like the glass like pushing and molding against your fingers. Oh, that's so cool. And it gets like slowly warm because, you know, it burns. Um, But yeah, it's very interesting. Again, 
no one will answer like that ever. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite app on your phone? Ooh, probably, I don't know, probably YouTube. I do like watching YouTube videos a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Snapchat, because I can talk with my friends, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Probably those two. But Sweet. I can't really. Is YouTube handy for like learning glass blowing stuff? Um, it's good to a point. Like you can't yeah. really learn glass from watching a YouTube video, unfortunately. It's just not really like yeah. you need to be able to do it with your hands yeah. to like and see it in person as well. But for like seeing new technique that I'd like to uh, work on or information about glass blowing, it's definitely great. Yeah. yeah. Final question. It's extra fun asking you this question because you're already the youngest guest. But if (laughs) you could go back in time, what advice would you give your even younger self? Save up more money for glass blowing tools. (laughs) I have. I've spent too much money, um, but I wish I could spend more. So, um, yeah. That's a good answer. That's a really good answer. Very practical. Yeah. uh, The the person I work with, Peter Riddebach, he will uh, occasionally at least for the last couple of days, he called me the tool monger because I have too many tools. <laughs> well, we cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. And it's been a real joy for me to meet you and see you again after all these years. You were an awesome kid, but also a huge pain in the ass <laughs> times when you wouldn't go to sleep. This is the part where I embarrass you. You would like go to, you know, you'd be in bed reading or whatever. And then I'd be downstairs. And then you or your brother would take turns like sneaking downstairs. Like, I'm going to get out of bed. And, you know, like just, I don't know, try to like play. You'd also come down a lot and be like, did you know about this thing? Like, like it was an important thing you needed to tell me, but you really just were just trying to get out of going to bed. Yeah. And you'd like just try to strike up an interesting conversation with me about like a factoid so that I wouldn't be like, get to bed. Yeah. <laughs> but you have a million factoids about glass and metalwork oh, in your yes. head, and we so appreciate it. <laughs> so we end every episode the same way. Show, Show us your, your creative, creative guts. guts. Thank you again, Caleb, for chatting with us on Creative Guts. We can't wait to interview you again in another five or ten years and see how you've grown as an artist. I am so impressed with this kid. As I mentioned on the podcast, I babysat him and his brother, who is also a really cool creative kid, many years ago. And the well of knowledge that Caleb holds in his head about his craft is more than anything I know anything about. I I just am stunned, uh, truly stunned by his curiosity and evolution as an artist. And uh, as a kid, he was always, he always had that nature. He wanted to know why and learn. And he was making little robots and doing all this cool stuff. And I love that I have an opportunity to revisit with him and see him again after so many years and be inspired by him all over again. Caleb, keep being awesome. If you want to check out Caleb's work, you can. You can find Caleb's work online at calebwstudio.com. As always, you can find more about Creative Guts and our guests online at creativegutspodcast.com, on Facebook and Instagram, where our handle is Creative Guts Podcast. Thank you again so much for tuning in. We'll be back next time with another episode of Creative Guts. glass blower, jewelry maker, and teenager? Yes, the first teenager we have had. Some... Oh. (laughs) I totally trust you, Sarah, and it bites me in the ass.
I should start highlighting the things that I'm like, I didn't yeah. really write your script yes. for you. Yes, you should. <laughs> I mean, I I should have probably looked at this <laughs> prior to recording, so I won't put all the blame on you there. <laughs> Holy shit. The Great of Guts music, it's so contagious. Put this in instead. <laughs> 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 gosh we love that button yeah it's the best one thank you again caleb for chatting with us on creative guts we can't wait to interview you again in another five to ten years what did you uh, shake your head at me yeah you want to say that again yes you said interview you <laughs> it was two words i think it sounded that way like it, it was one word <laughs> sorry <laughs> I know I'm going to have to edit it, so I just know. <laughs> Can't wait to interview you, you, you. <laughs> it could just keep going. Interview you, 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 you. God, stop making me laugh. <laughs> I am so funny. Remelt it with other chemicals and then use it. Oh. <laughs> that was actually perfect because it was like right after you kind of paused. <laughs> yeah. It was like the finale <laughs> note of a song. Yeah. We might just leave it in. It yeah. was so good. <laughs> what is your favorite sound? Oh, I don't know. Um, huh, that's really hitting you with answer. the hard oh, yeah. questions. I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's yeah. I'm I'm not really sure on that. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. That was my computer. I, it probably wasn't that sound. <laughs> you got an email. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna mute that uh, right at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> we did it. Now we're on break. Bye. Just kidding. Now we have to edit. Ugh. <laughs>